Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike here with BeastNet, and today I've got with me Charity Fick. How are you doing, Charity? I'm doing pretty good, and yourself? I'm doing all right. Um, tell us a little about yourself. Some people may not know who you are. So let's, okay. let's learn about charity. All right. Um, so I've been running for, I'm going to say, almost 10 years. And I got into obstacle course racing 2014-ish. And I'm uh, not sure. It's hard for me to talk about myself. Um, I got my husband actually obstacle course racing. And the funny story is my daughter, Sierra, uh, she was just under a year and she wouldn't sleep. So I took her downstairs to soothe her. And then I ended up finding Mud Run Guide on Facebook, won a book, and then the rest is history. That's how I got into racing. I did my first Spartan Sprint in 2013 and I haven't looked back since. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you write for Mud Run Guide, don't you? I do. Um, so in 2013, I won the book. And then 2014, they had an open call for, they call it Mud Run Guide crew members. So I applied and mm-hmm. got in. And uh, I've been writing for them. Yeah, so we're 2019. So five, year, five years-ish and counting. So yeah. That's awesome. That's very awesome. So... Like you said, so so you're used to talking to other people and interviewing, not being the interviewee, are you? Correct. Um, to me, I don't like to draw a lot of attention to myself, but I like to tell stories. So if someone says they have a story or something to share with everybody, I like to share that and say, tell me, you know, where you came from, what's going on with you. So I, I'm not a huge attention on me person. Well, see, that's where, you know, today is is all about the attention on you. So, because I have the same thing with you, is I like the story, and I like to talk to people and get that, that who are you, why do you do the things you do, and what, what makes you you. So, so, so today it's all about you. Um, and this is a little bit weird. Like, I, by heart, I'm an introvert. So, to have someone want to say, hey, let's talk to you, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, it's, I've read some of your stories, and I mean, you're a great writer. I mean, I love reading them. And it was just one of those things that I feel sometimes, you know, as someone who does, you know, I don't do it in written form, but I do it in, you know, recording form, sometimes our voices aren't heard because we're asking other people. So I just wanted to give you a chance to let your voice be heard rather than talking about other people. So, I mean, I, I you've written some pretty good articles. I mean, you did one on uh, Kim Butcher, who I just had on the show a little while ago, and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, you know, you're you're a good writer. But we want to hear about charity. I know, and I appreciate that. And then the articles I write, especially about Kim, like when she told me her story, admittedly, I was crying to hear that yeah. she went through something like that. And then they come out the other side, like that's beyond the human spirit. Like you can get so broken, but for her to say, I'm going to live that just, that's, you had to tell that story. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, it was one of those things when I interviewed, it wasn't just, you know, that she lived, she 
lived. I mean, really lived. And I mean, it's, and the thing I told her that makes her so inspiration is she doesn't understand that she's inspiration. She's an inspiration. You know, you're talking to her and like, she was talking about how there was holes in her like tibia and she just glossed over it. Like she was talking about having coffee for breakfast. And I'm like, hold on a minute, back up, <laughs> you know, and that's, those are the stories I like. And, you know, I think you're kind of, from reading your story, that you're kind of the same. You like those stories that are like those people that are huge inspirations and they just don't get it. They're like, what do you mean? I'm just me. And that's Ken. So. And the big thing is, too, is when someone goes through something like that, they don't realize that by someone else reading their story about how they survive, they're inspiring people. And I know with Kim, um, the huge thing with her is that it was a drunk driver, unfortunately. And a lot of people, like, they don't realize they have those kind of people in their lives. Like, they have people that will have a drink, go behind the wheel. So to hear her be able to be so brave and stand up and say, this is what happened and this is how it affected me, it's just, it's mind-blowing. So it is. And the one thing is, too, like I told her when we were recording that episode, what was so funny is I had my phone on speaker because uh, my wife and my oldest son was in there. He's 24, and he is going through DUI stuff right now. And it was like, here, this is what you need to hear. You need to hear this while I'm interviewing her to understand why the choice you made is such a horrible choice. Yeah, and people don't think about that. They think I can have one drink, I can have two drinks, and I'll be fine. It's like, no, if you're behind the wheel of a car, you have no idea what the consequence could be. Like, just don't. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's like me and me and my wife, we go bowling every Monday night and we have a deal. I drive on the way to bowling and then I drink while we bowl and then she drives on the way back. And that's kind of our, you know, our deal is I'll drive there because I haven't had anything to drink. But once I get there and I drink, she gets to drive back. So it's kind of as you get older, you learn those things. We all made mistakes when we were younger. I mean, I there's plenty of times I can think back of where. I probably should not have gotten home, but I did. And to think back that you could have had that big of an impact on someone because you chose to drive home, it's like, I can't, there's no way. It's like, why, why, why would I do that? And now you think back, you're like, I just, I can't believe I did it. But now I know better and I will never do it again. So, well, and we all did like, I don't want to say stupid things, but as youth, we all had our moments and I come from a family where my dad's a recovering alcoholic, but he's not. And many times he's had a couple of beers and he's gone out to grab more and he's been behind the wheel. It's like, you think about it. It's like, he could have killed somebody. He hasn't yet, but he could have. And it's just, it's scary. It does. You know, see, I was the opposite. I grew up like my family, like devout Mormon and. Yeah, so I didn't even know what alcohol was till I was a teenager. So, <laughs> but yeah. So, so that's kind of you know the the Kim thing was was a great story. But what other? That's kind of actually a good good idea. I think. What what stories have you written that touched you in just an amazing way that made you actually like that pulled at your heartstrings? Well, and let's go back a bit. So the Badass Women of OCR articles kind of started about, I'm going to say at least three years ago. I had just gotten, Mm -hmm. me and my husband just got into the OCR community and I just started following 
uh, world's toughest mutter. And that's back when they had proper coverage. You could track your friends. It's no comment now. But um, yeah. I started seeing these different women. I'm like, okay, these women, you know, aren't the top elite athletes. But, hey, they're out there doing their thing for 24 hours. Why isn't someone telling their story? Why isn't someone saying, hey, yeah. you're a regular person, you work nine to five, but you're out there for 24 hours, you're freezing, you're helping people over these obstacles. Like, why is someone not saying, look what you're doing? Because I think um, in any kind of sports or any kind of competition, people always say, oh, well, this elite athlete's done this and that. It's like, well, what about the weekend warriors? I'm a weekend warrior. And so... Yeah. Um, at the time, Margaret Schlachter, who's not with Mud Run Guide now because she's moved on, but I said, hey, can I start mm-hmm. writing these articles about, you know, women? Because unfortunately, in the world of sports, there's still a large focus on men, no offense. Sure. And she's like, well, why don't you start doing the weekly thing? So I reached out to some women. I'm like, hey, you, you've done this. Do you mind if I talk to you? And um, I think one of the first people was Lindsay Webster. And being an introvert, I'm like, okay, she's never going to talk to me. I'm a nobody. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I talked to Allison Ty, who's a personal friend. And I'm like, let's tell these mm-hmm. stories. And um, out of all the stories, like Kim Butcher was one of the ones that touched me. Like she, hers was, I still have no word about her story. But um, oh, yeah. um, there's people like Amanda Pinky Neal. You know, she's a huge force in the Tough Mudder community. She's super positive. She's out there doing her thing. Um, out of all the stories that I've done so far, uh, besides Kim, one of the stories that's touched me like the absolute most is talking to Sean Corvell. And, and I'm not sure if you've done a Tough Mudder yet or not, but he's the main MC for Tough Mudder. And uh, he gives a speech at every race to get everyone pumped up, like just like Spartan does. They do their big, you know, speech. When have you done this? But Sean's a genuine person. So he looks at every person waiting to start that race. And he's like, this is your moment. This is about you. Forget who you were before. Let's take care of each other. And so his story was one of the ones that touched me the most. Like, I didn't know this before, but he was a community, comedian. He actually did a um, a Friends episode way back when. Oh, wow. And, yeah, he there was an episode, I think, where Ross was looking for a costume for his uh, Halloween costume. Or, no, Christmas costume. And the only thing that was left was the an armadillo costume. And he went into a shop, and Sean Corbell was a shopkeep. And oh, so, wow. she, yeah, crazy. And Sean's story touched me. And then I've got a close personal friend named Troy. And Troy got into a really bad car accident at least 10 years ago. And he was basically told by his doctors, you're going to, you have fibromyalgia, your life is over. And he used to carry around with him a taco box of medication. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. And so he decided, like, we, me and my husband did our first Tough Mudder in 2015 And he came along for the trip. And then same thing in 2016. He's like, you know what? I can do this. So he basically worked on weaning himself off of all of his painkillers and did his first Tough Mudder. And actually, he did two Tougher Mudders last year. Wow. And yeah, and his story inspired me because he basically was told by his doctors, you're going to have to be on these meds all your life. Your life is over. And he's like, no. And he crawled out of that to prove he could do it. So his story really gets That's to awesome. me. Mm-hmm. You know, these are people I think I need to talk to. Yeah. So, and then... I have, um, I have not it, done a Tough Mudder yet. I have not oh, it's, done one. 
because it is the shock really fun. <laughs> um, the shock I, isn't I bad. Huge aversion. I have a huge aversion to electric shock, so it, which tells me I need to do one, but I just haven't done one yet. It's always happened that it's fallen on the same day as something else. I was going to do it two years ago, but I had my my foot was broke, and I literally had the boot taken off my foot two days before. And I'm like, okay, I did a Spartan with the boot on, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do a race. You know, now that the boot's off, there's no protection. So I'm like, I need to take like a month off. And that month was during the Tough Mudder. So I need to do one. I, I really do. It's on my bucket list. So. Well, and then our buddy Troy, like we did the Spartan sprint in Seattle last year. And then mm-hmm. we came back a couple hours later and we did the hurricane heat. And so we got to do the hurricane heat with Dingo and he's like such an awesome guy. And oh, I love Dingo. Yeah. For Troy, he's like, I just did a sprint. I went back and showered and I did a hurricane heat. And, um, I think the biggest thing for him was when we did the barbed wire crawl at the end and we had to uh, drag our buddies through it. And Mm -hmm. when he was done, he's like, I just did a hurricane heat. I think our hurricane heat was four hours but still he's like i can do yeah. this and i'm like yes you can <laughs> although and you yeah. know what i love adam i have respect for him but i made a mistake of asking a question and i got the hose in the face so you know yeah <laughs> oh, yeah, don't ask yeah but uh for tough mutter too like my big goal right now um like i'm not super at that athletic but i'm working with the coaches i'm gonna do world's toughest mutter in 2020 that's my huge goal so nice. Yes, well, the OCR community. My goal is to get the trifecta weekend in Hawaii. This year is my fourth year, fourth year in a row going to Hawaii to try and get the the trifecta in a weekend. The first year, I was nine weeks after shattering my foot. And the doctor told, told me I could do the race as long as I wore my boot and I didn't land on that foot. And I DNF the beast because I couldn't move quick enough because my foot was in a full boot. Oh, my. The next year, I finished the beast and the super, but my feet were so tore up that I was afraid to do the sprint because I was supposed to do the sprint the next weekend in Washougal with my son. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to do the sprint and ruin the chances of being able to do the sprint the next weekend with my child, with my kid. So I opted not to. Then this last year, Hurricane Lane, and we just got to hang out in Hawaii because they canceled the races. So, so this year is my, this is the fourth year of going to Hawaii. I'm going to get that stupid trifecta. Yeah. And the trifecta and a lot of people who aren't in the community don't understand how important that is. Like me, my husband yeah. and Troy and a friend of ours named Carolina, we did the sun peaks beast, um, in 2017. And that beast at some peaks, you have to go up all three peaks and come all the way back down. So we planned to be out there for eight hours. And me and my friend Carolina did 10 hours and 15 minutes. Uh, It's it's crazy. (laughs) I know, right? That is. I mean, I can't say much. So my my record right now is, uh, was it 13 and a half? Oh, my. I think it was 13 and a half hours on Montana in 2007. 16? 16. Yeah, because we had two people on our team that got hurt. And then we had a third that we ended up picking up along the way that was so mentally broken that for four miles she didn't talk to us. Oh, wow. She just shuffled. She just shuffled their feet and giggled. 
That's all she did for four miles. That's crazy. Like I she know. She was just oh. mentally gone. Well, I know for our beast, like. Up... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I was but... going to say that Steve Hammond ended up meeting up with us. He caught us, and basically we told him like we can do whatever you want, but we're finishing this race. And he looked at us and said, that's cool because everyone behind you quit. Oh, wow. So let's go. And we were literally the last people across that finish line. So I have a huge respect for those last people because I've been there. And it's it's a huge emotional thing. So to be that last group. So Well, and yeah. the beast that we did, we saw so many people that weren't prepared. They had no fuel. They had no water. Yep. And it was crazy. And I, I remember going up the third peak. Like, I was so exhausted because the elevation was so high. And I'm like, if anyone has Tylenol, I will take some. You can have my water because I didn't realize how bad it would be. But, uh, yeah, we got um, – because our beast at Sun Peaks, we had the slip wall at the end. I looked at my friend. I'm like, I don't know how to do this obstacle. Like, I was so done. And we get over the yeah. slip wall to jump the fire. And I start bawling my eyes. And I'm like, I'm done. She goes – there's the fire. And then um, my husband, Ryan, and our friend Troy that I was just talking about, um, you know, because Troy, you know, is older. So it took him a while to get through it, but they got through it. And Spartan had actually taken down the finish line before they got over. So they had to put it back up. And I just remember finishing and getting back to the room. We had some peaks and freaking out because we had no idea where they were. And then to see them limping up to the room saying we finished, like it took them over 11 hours. So they were like one of the last people over two, but they did it. So that was a beast that broke us all. Like I still have the most respect for that race because apparently that year people were saying it was harder than Killington. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So there's been a couple (laughs) of years. I know I, I do. I do Montana. This will be, I think my fifth year doing Montana. Fourth fourth and fifth year i started in 15 so 15 16 17 18 yeah so this is my fifth year doing montana and montana is brutal i mean have you been montana yet i haven't I done that yet uh, in montana or you know depending on the year they would go back and forth on which one was the harder so one year like montana would be harder than people say nope this year it was some beaks and they'd kind of go back and forth on which was the harder race but Montana's brutal, and every year it, it seems to be the the death of me. I've torn my pec, my pectoral and a bicep. Yikes! I've uh, dislocated my shoulder doing Montana, and I finished every year. But I, I it's the race that kicks my butt every year. So this year I'm hoping to, you know, hopefully finally get my training right and get Montana down, but. It, it's killed me the last couple of years. And that's where I started, 2015 on the Founders Race. Wow. Like I tell everyone, when I saw mile marker 19, I wanted to kick somebody in the... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was not happy. Yeah, well, it was my first Spartan race ever. And like I told everyone, it's, everyone's like, why would you start with that one? I'm like, because I don't do research. I'm like, it was a Spartan race. No one told me there was a difference. <laughs> No, and I'm I know like, oh, with um, oh, with Ryan and Troy too. Um, it was Johnny. I think his last name is pronounced Wait. I think it is, but uh, he apparently um got in trouble from the people that managed Sun Peaks because they finished in pitch darkness, and he yeah. was given heck 
for letting them finish because apparently the race or the people that run the mountain, they're like, it wasn't safe. You shouldn't let them stay out there that long, but they're like, we're going to finish this. And they did, but yeah, it's the beasts yeah. are brutal. Anyone who's never done one doesn't get it. Does not get it. No, they don't. And I've done, I've done a few now. I mean, 2015, I got one trifecta and 16, I got two. And then 17, I got three. And then last year I only got two. So, oh my. <laughs> you know, and it's Montana, Montana and Hawaii. Those are the, those are brutal. Hawaii is a brutal beast. I mean, everyone's all like, oh, it's Hawaii. It's an island. It's flat. I'm like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> it's not flat. Like, if you've ever seen Jurassic Park, those huge hills that they have, that's where they do it. Literally, in that spot where they film Jurassic Park is where the, the race is. So, yeah, I've got I've... pictures of me standing next to the Jurassic Park sign saying, yeah. So, <laughs> but. Well, that sun peaks the next day because we have a daughter uh, named Sierra, and she'll be seven this year. Mm-hmm. And she was signed up for the kids' race, and uh, so we did our beast. We, you know, we slept, but the next day, like me, my husband, our friends, we were like, we were sore. You know how it is, right? Post race, you're like, I can't oh, yeah. move. And the kids' race had a tiny hill, and we're like, oh my god, PTSD. We can't do this again. <laughs> so it was uh, <laughs> pretty brutal. See, what's funny is, too, it's like the one year I always talk about, the year that I took 13 and a half hours to do Montana, that is the one and only year that I actually got up the next morning and did the sprint. Oh, wow. Every other year, I've skipped the sprint. And that year, it was, I woke up in the morning, and I looked at my, we were staying in the same place, and I looked at my running partner, and I'm like, Stevie, I can't do this. Like, there's no way. I'm tore up. And she's like, active recovery, let's go. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And we got probably about two miles into it. And I'm like, this is stupid. Can I quit? Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I hurt so bad from yesterday. Why are we out here? So, but yeah. Yeah. And then I'm um, like, with the sprint at Sun Peaks, because we took our buddy for her, uh, his first Spartan at Sun Peaks. And most Spartans are about, I'd say, 5 to 7K-ish. And the Sun mm-hmm. Peaks one was almost 10K for a sprint. And he was not happy with us when we finished. But it's like, yeah, no, it's people that don't do obstacle course racing, they don't get it. Like, they don't understand that we put no. ourselves through this. We break ourselves on purpose. And it's not just about the medal. It's about the, the people and the team and just being able to say, I did oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is. It's like, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. They always have, like, Metal Monday and stuff. And, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm I'm kind of a metal whore. I have... You know, an entire wall full of medals from the last. And everyone's like, oh, you have so many. I'm like, yeah, that's 10 years of medals. Yeah, exactly. Not just like a year or two. Mm-hmm. And I'm a total medal whore. I, I've even got my kid to be a medal whore now. We went to do a race to, it's here in Seattle. It's the Love Them or Leave Them, like, 5K Valentine's Day race. Nice. And we get there, and he's like, it, it's, it got moved back a week because of the snow. Yep. And we get there, and he's like, Dad, I really don't want to do this. And my kid's 16. He's like, this is, I, I just don't want, it's cold, it's still wet, there's snow everywhere, so I don't want to do this. And then he looks over and he sees a metal, a table full of metals, and he's like, oh, there's metals? Let's go. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'm so rude with you, child. He's like, oh, there's metals? Let's do this. I'm not going to lie, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I like my medals, and I actually was a road runner before I got into OCR, so... 
we have a metal rack just with my medals and then like our joint medals. But yes, no, I like bling too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do too. And I mean, it was one of the things that was funny is like I did, I started off doing like road races, like you said, like 10 years ago when I was trying to lose weight the first time. And, you know, all of a sudden I started doing the half marathons and all of a sudden I handed me medals and I'm like, hey, I didn't get these doing five days. What's this stuff? I want to do this more. I want more of these. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. hard one. that's pretty much why I blew my knee. I blew my knee because I did a, a half marathon and it was the Portland Rock and Roll and my knee popped. Oh, nice. And I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. So I finished. And then I'm like, you know, okay, that year on the Rock and Rolls, it was the very first year of Portland. They said if you did Portland and Seattle in the same year of the Rock and Rolls, there was a special, like, Pacific Peaks medal that you yep. got mm-hmm. for doing both races. So I'm like, well, I'm doing it. Well, Seattle was literally two weeks after Portland. So I popped my knee in Portland and then decided, well, I'm doing Seattle too. And about halfway through Seattle, my knee just gave out. It was like, you're oh, done. that hurts. You know, and I'd, I'd lost like, what, 80 pounds, you know, running and everything else like that. And it was about mile seven. And I'm like, I'm finishing this shit. I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I went through and kept going. And by the end of the race, my wife could see it when she saw me come up to the finish line. I could barely, like, every step my knee was trying to just give. And I'm like, nope, I'm finishing this. And I finished, and I just looked at her. I said, let's go get my medal because I need to go to the car because the second I stop walking, my knee is done, and I'm not getting back up. And it took, like, her and my son once we got to the, like, home in the car to get me out of the car and get me into the house because my knee was so screwed up. But I'm like... And that's what she worries about now is that I'm going to do something again like that. I'm going to trash my knee or some something. So, because I don't understand giving up. So, I don't know when to say enough is enough. No, I hear like you. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> we actually had the Rock and Roll Remix weekend uh, here a couple of years ago. So, you could do the 10K and then the half the next day. So, I did that uh, two years in a row. So, I did the 10K then the half marathon the next day. And the first year I did that, we had a concert um, the night before the half marathon. So yep. that was interesting. And then, and, and speaking of, you know, me giving up. So I've run two full marathons. I don't know if I'll do another one. Um, but my issue was, is I got to, uh, I got like, I'd say about five or six K at the end in both years. Like my body is like, no. So, you know, I walked, I'm like, you know what? I've come this far. I'm not giving up. I want that medal because this is a marathon. So I totally get it. And I hate to say that we punish our bodies to do these things, but we do, we get to that point. And I think OCR helps where we're like, you know what? We're just going to finish it. We'll be broken later. We'll just get Mm -hmm. it done. So. Yeah. It's like the old thing goes, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. So yeah. Cause I did two. Not this last year, but the year before, 2017, I did the Seattle for my full marathon because I told myself I'd do one before my 40th birthday, mm-hmm. and the Seattle marathon was literally six days before my 40th birthday. Oh, wow. So so I, I, I did that. It took a little over nine hours because I should not have been on that course. I shouldn't have done it. And I, there were so many people like, you are not in the right shape to do this. You're not ready for this. And I'm like, you're probably right, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And they were right, but and I had both the people I raced with my 
my one good friend, Emily, she was sick, like had the flu basically. Yeah. She made about 13 miles, about 13 miles. She's like, I can't do this. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to keep going. You know, thank you for trying. And then my other buddy made it to mile 22. Oh, so close. Yeah. His back was spasming. And I mean, he was pretty much like his back was locking up where he couldn't even move. And I'm like, you know, normally I would argue with you and try and help you and make you go. But I am so tired at this point that I'm sorry. I just got to keep going. Yep. And I no, I agree. I'm like, if I stopped, yeah, if I stopped to help you, I'm not going to keep, I'm going to stop myself. So I just need to go. And so I finished the last, you know, what, four miles by myself. And literally I passed the very last person with it, with like a hundred feet left. Oh, wow. Like just passed her. So it, it was brutal and it was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done, but I did it. And then, and I got that medal. One of the medal, probably the medal I'm most proud of. But then now my friend who stopped at 22 miles is like, well, now I need to do my marathon. And he's mm-hmm. like, and you need to come with me. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I know. But then my... the thing was, he picked one. I say he picked one that's full downhill. Starts oh. on Snoqualmie Pass and goes all the way downhill. And I'm like, I don't like that. He's <laughs> like, but it's downhill. Downhill is easy. I'm like, not on your knees. Mm-mm. That's going to be my problem. That downhill is going to pound my knees hard. So it's going to be interesting. Though oh, no, I'm getting it though. I'm getting my second marathon. And now he signed me up for a third one. We're supposed to do the Seattle Marathon again because it's the 50th anniversary. So we got to do that one, too. I'm like, oh, I'm really okay. starting to not like you. <laughs> so. Yikes. <laughs> well, I know my first marathon, like, I didn't real, I didn't understand that you're supposed to taper and rest. So I got super sick. So I ran my first marathon with a sinus infection. I didn't know it. Um, yeah. I could barely move. And my poor husband was trying to, like, roll me out and the curse words that came out of my mouth. I'm like, Nope, 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 Nope. Um, my second marathon I did better, but again, I seized up like my knee seized up and it was a nutrition issue. And, uh, it was the, uh, BMO marathon and they had people on bikes making sure we were okay. And I was in so much pain. I almost got them to pull me and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to keep going. And I basically limped and walked. I think it was over 5K. I'm like, I'm going to finish this. So I'm not a fast marathoner. Um, My best marathon time was just under six hours, I think. But I did it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm good. (laughs) Like, I'm done. Like, two marathons, I'm good. I'd rather do OCR because it's... And I hate to say road marathons are boring, but they kind of are. At least with OCR, you've got the obstacles. You've got the community. You've got everything else, right? So... Exactly. And that was kind of my thing when I was doing the road marathons, the road races, it was, there wasn't a community. There wasn't any of that. I literally, I would go out there. I would put in my headphones. I had a, you know, it's how old I am. I had a, it wasn't an iPod, but it was basically basically an iPod. And I would plug in my, my headphones and I had it, the songs based in a way that when certain songs came on, I knew what time I was at, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's kind of how my brain works. All of a sudden, it'd be like, hey, oh, this song's on. I'm at 30 minutes. I should be here. I'm a little bit behind, so I need to pick up my pace. So it was kind of – but literally, I didn't talk to anyone. I put my headphones in, and I ran until I finished the race. So that was it. You know? 
And now with doing OCR, it's completely different. You know, mm-hmm. one, you can't really wear wear an iPod or anything like that. Or I don't even do they make iPods anymore. But you can't wear something like that because you're going to get it wet. You can't do that, you know. But also, you have the help. You have the people you're talking mm-hmm. to. You know, you stop at an obstacle and you're like, hey, who needs help over this wall? Let's go. You know, there's a reason that I tell everyone I don't run competitive. I don't run elite because I want to be able to help people. You know, I don't care about my time. I care about finishing, and if I get one person over that wall who wasn't going to make it and wasn't going to finish that race, then I've done my job for the day. And that's how, you know, that's my idea of a good race. So, no, well, I'm the same people, way, too. That's just me. Yeah. Well, road racing, and I so. agree with you, can be boring because it's very lonely. It's very isolating. And, again, I'm yep. never going to be leap myself, but... When I did my first sprint, and it was funny because I did it in street shoes and cotton clothes. I know better now, but uh, I finished it. I'm like, oh, my God. And so we started doing it, too. And it's just the people you meet, the stories they have. And, like, we've got Rugged Maniac out here. I'm sure you guys have it there, too. But uh, there was, like, I'm I'm into multi-lapping now. That's my my new jam. That's my thing. And I think I was on lap three last year and there was this kid he might have been like maybe 14 15 years old and we had to go over a cargo net and he was petrified and his dad was trying to talk him over and I looked at him I'm like you know what Let, let's do this together I'm like one foot at a time one handle at a time and I got him over that wall he's like thank you so much I'm like don't worry about it and it's just with the OCR community, a lot of people don't realize it's those little things. If you say you're doing a good job or you look strong or you help someone over or something like that, it's people yeah. remember that. Well, they do. Um, big time. It's like one thing that I always crack up at, and I don't know how this works. My son is, you know, like I said, at 16, he's afraid of heights. And last mm-hmm. year was his first, he finished his very first trifecta, you know, did great. It was awesome. But for whatever reason, and we've never figured out how this works, we have a friend of ours, Jesse, from West Coast Obstacles, who every time we hit that cargo net and he was having problems, Jesse would pop up out of nowhere. Aw. And be like, come on, kids, you can do this. And he's helping him and coaching him. And I'm like, where did you come from? (laughs) Were you just sitting here waiting for us? You know, and he would just, for whatever reason, it always worked out that he always started behind us. And when he caught us, it was always on the cargo net. All three races to help batten over it. And I'm just like, you know, this is <laughs> like, I don't know how this has worked, but it works out every time. So, but it was, yeah, uh-huh. it was funny. So, and, and I just love that in races, you know, I've done a couple times. Vegas is usually my, my, the start of my season. I'll start in, uh, uh, for the Spartan races in Vegas, which is next weekend, I think. But the first year I went, I went alone. It was just me and my wife. We went down there. My wife doesn't race. So it was just me racing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this alone. But I was never alone. You know, the second I started that race, I had friends, and we were helping each other, and we helped each other the whole way through. And it's been that way every year. So, and this year I've actually got friends from the beach that are going with me. But, you know, it's always been, no matter where I've been, you're never alone. So, which is awesome. So, one of these days, I've got to meet you at one of these races. I don't know if we've ever actually met in person. 
So were you at Seattle last year for the sprint? Because we were there. Yes. yes. I'm sure we might have passed each other on course. Maybe I said hi. I'm trying to be more um I don't want to say social, but to say hi to people because everyone's on that course. It's there for a reason. And whatever it is, we're all there to help each other. And I I have to admit a fangirl moment. Uh, We were waiting to go over, I think, one of the last walls last year. And I got to meet Amelia Boone. Like, we were standing there. And I turned. I'm like, that's Amelia Boone. And my husband's like, don't be weird. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Amelia Boone. Like, and I shook her hand. I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, she was, you know, very mellow. And a lot of people don't realize some sports, they have the elites, they have the weekend warriors, and there's a big divide. Yeah. In our sport of OCR, there's no divide. You can be elite, no. you can be weekend warrior. And everyone, for the most part, is like, hey, how's it going? Can I help you? And that's what I love about it. Like, I, I will come home and take pictures of my bruises and be proud. And people are like, you're bruised. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that you know, this is an accomplishment. This bruise meant I did this and I did that. So people need to realize like obstacle course racing is not nasty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No. Well, and the thing is too, is like, you know, you talk about, you know, stuff like that. I've had that with, uh, I've met Rose Wetzel a couple times. Oh, wow. Um, one of them, it was like after like machete madness and we're all up in Ballard and we went to lunch and we're all sitting there and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and this woman walks in, and I'm like, that's Rose Wetzel. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, yes, it is. And we all got pictures with her. And then at Seattle last year, I ran into her again, and she got a picture with her. The other one is uh, Laura Messner. Yes. I've met I her have... a couple times, and oh. I've actually uh, I've had her on the podcast. Lucky. Too. I mean, I love her. She's amazing. Um, but I was, it was in Hawaii the first year when I had the broken foot. And I was up at the, came up to the spirit throw and I couldn't get a good footing to, to, on the first throw. And I missed, which for me, I mean, for whatever reason, that's like the one obstacle I'm good at that. And the monkey buzz it is I'm really good at spirit throw. And I never, I very rarely miss and I missed and she was right next to me. And I didn't realize it was her until she looked at me and says, I didn't see anything. Go ahead and do it again. You know, I didn't see nothing. Do it again. And the next one I hit it. And then all of a sudden I kind of turned and looked at her and I'm like, you're Laura Messner. And she's like, yep, I am. And like, off she went. And I'm like, oh. And then yep. it was, I think, the next year in Vegas, Amber, my wife, was talking about this girl she was, you know, volunteering with. And all of a sudden, I was like, she said her name was Laura, and we we're talking about it. And she, like, points her out. And I'm like, that's Laura Messner. You've pretty much been hanging out with, you know, one of the elites and the girl from, you know, the Spartan TV show for eight hours and didn't figure it out. So, yeah. That's, wow. I have yet to meet her. I'd love to meet her, but she doesn't do Tough Mudders. She needs to do a Tough Mudder and come out. But yeah, she's uh, pretty much Spartan. Oh, no, she is. But, yeah, I was volunteering actually a couple of years ago at um, when they did uh, Spartans up at uh, Mount Seymour, and we were doing registration, and I was checking in all these leads. I'm like, Oh my God, this person, that person, my husband's like, shh, I'm like, but that, that, that person and that person, <laughs> it's hard not to get, uh, starstruck, but then oh. again, in our sport, everyone's so humble. It's amazing. They are. They are. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I, like I said, I've met Laura a couple times now and Rose both, and both of them are like, you'd have no idea. 
that they're one of the the top in this, you know, the elites in this group and one of the most famous, like, you know, for for OCR. The other one's Robert Killian. I've met yes. him a couple of times, and he's probably one of the most humble people you've ever met. It was like I was talking to him on a race when he was running with, uh, oh, what's Bravo? Bravo, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Bravo Company, I think, or whatever it is, whatever they call yes, it. Yes, I, I, I know who you're talking about. Yep. I don't remember it. Feel horrible that I don't remember the name for sure, but he was running with them, and I was sitting there talking to him, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know, when you're talking to someone, and then like that one part of your brain because you're so tired finally kicks in and be like, uh, you're talking to Robert Killian, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh wait a minute, I've been talking to you for five minutes, and I just realized who you are. So, yeah. But that's what's great about this sport. He, you feel like any other sport, they would be sitting there looking at you, going, uh, "However, you're not figured out who you're talking to yet." Mm-hmm. You know, and him, he's just he, Robert Kelly, and he was a normal guy. I mean, I've had the very first time I, I even was introduced to Spartan. I did. I went to the Portland race, but I had a, a huge cut on my hand, so I couldn't race. But I went with friends. And I decided to volunteer so that I get my next race, and that's how I did Montana. But I was sitting there, and I was volunteering in the, the food, and that's when they had these huge turkey legs. But I was sitting there, and some guy came over and started talking to us, and we are talking to him away. And he walks away, and the guy that I'm standing there with was just all, like, completely awestruck. And I'm like, what? He's like, that's Joe DeSina. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like who's Joe DeSina? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you really don't follow the Spartan that much yet, do you? And I'm like, not really. Who's Joe DeSina? He's like the guy who started Spartan. I'm like, oh, oops. You know, but it was just like he didn't he didn't say anything. He was just talking. It was like he was anybody. And I'm just like, okay. But And I've heard that a couple from other people that they've sat there. And, like, if, he didn't, if you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't know. He's not going to tell you. He's not going to brag about it. He's just like he's a normal guy. And that's what I love about this sport. Mm-hmm. So. Did you ever get to do a battle frog? No, that's actually, uh, oh. uh, that, that's one of those, uh, those bad words in my house. No. Because my, my son, the little jerk, he has the battle frog medal that was supposed to be mine. Oh, um, boy. That was battle frog when they were here in Seattle, and it was like the last year they did it. That was literally, I think it was two weeks after I shattered my foot. Oh, no. So I was there on crutches, and basically I'm like, here you go, kid. You can have my entry, and gave it to my son. So he ended up doing Battle Frog with a bunch of the beasts and a bunch of our friends, and I missed. I didn't get to do it, and then it was, you know, like two months later, and they're like, yeah, Battle Frog's never coming back. And I'm like, no. So. Oh, no. So, yeah. I missed that one. I was not happy. And it was like when you were talking about Rugged earlier. Rugged was here. I did the last time they were here, but they, the venue that they were doing is gone now. It doesn't oh. do races anymore, so they haven't been back for the last two years. So, yeah, we, we've had a few up here that have gone away, and that's a, the hard part for me is, you know, it's like I've done Rugged. Um, they used to have Hell Run and all those, and those are gone. Um, I've done Mud Factor, which is boring, honestly. The last one I did took me 30 minutes to finish, and that was me doing wow. 30 minutes. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. Wow. So, and that was the, yeah, the mud, the mud factor. And then it's gladiator. I did that back in 2010. That was my first OCR and they've never been back 2011 oh. and they've never been back. So they were supposed to be back this year and then show up. So they ended up canceling it. So it's, I'd love to see more up here. That's my biggest issue up here in Seattle. I've told people a few times, I think next year I want to focus on some of the local ones, but it's just, you know, we don't get enough up here, and that's we kind of have to travel. Because where you live in, I'm trying to think, Vancouver? Well, Vancouver area, no. so Surrey, B.C. So we get a lot of the local, yeah. like, 5Ks and stuff. Like, we had Battlefrog here once, and then they decided yep. to go, like, we're pro, and we never had it again. Uh, we get Rugged Maniac. We had Terrain Race up here. Uh, we I get did that one. Spartans up here. And I did then the Terrain we... Race in Surrey. Did you? Nice. That was fun. Yes. yes. Which, the next time, if, if you're coming down, for, are you coming down to Seattle? I may need you to grab some alcohol for me that I can't only get up there. So. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. Um, well, we're coming down to Seattle, <laughs> I think it's September, because me and my husband are going ah. for our 10 times uh, Tough Mudder headband this year. And so definitely got to do one better. Yeah. Seattle's going to be, uh, for me, I think, hang on, uh, number eight and nine, I think. Yeah. Cause we're going to finish our year nice. in Australia this year. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. You like that. We're going to Hawaii again this year. So, but Australia, I definitely want to go to Australia someday. So, but yeah, if, if, if you come down, I may have to, there's this alcohol called Sheridan. Sheridan, I've never heard of that seen. one. It's really good. It's a, it's two. It's like kind of like a Kahlua. Oh, okay. It's, but there's two different alcohols in it. It's like a dual bottle. It's split. It's really Sheridan. good. I found it. When oh, I did a, you know, I, I think a, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like one side's white and one side's it's like black and white. On yes, I think I know you're talking. Yes, I think I know. Yep. And I found it when we went on a cruise, like years ago and then realized that they don't sell in the u.s oh and then when we went and did the the train race we went into one of the your liquor stores to try and get we needed cups and you know yep. other stuff they gave us really cool cups too and i found it again i'm like oh my gosh it's in canada so it's only two months two hours away i was just up in bellingham yesterday i should have went there but it's you know one of those weird things it's kind of my my one of my weird tastes that i like so. yeah i know the terrain race the only but, thing i didn't like about this year or last year's terrain race is that one big wall that you had to kind of go up and then scale down i thought that was sketchy but eh. it was the hard part on that because they'd had that at the last two terrain races i did the hard part on that one is it was backwards in in, in canada yes like in here, I think, I was trying to think, which way was it in Canada? You had to go, you climbed up the one side and then dropped down the ropes on the the second side, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and it, over here, it was the back, backwards. You went, climbed up the rope and then went down the back side, and it seemed like it was more sketchy the way it was in Canada. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like this. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. So, But I've did, I did a lot of train races because I've gotten to really know the new kind of the one of the race directors jp and we've talked a lot and he's 
giving me free races. But um, so I did Seattle, Olympia, and then went up and did. Me and my buddy talked me into going up to doing the the Surrey run. So nice. Yeah. So I want to get up and do more of Missouri. So I love going to Canada. It's a great place. You guys have like soda that doesn't have freaking corn syrup in it. So your soda tastes better because it's got real sugar. Yeah. And you and ketchup chips too, right? Like we've got the good stuff. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got yes. weird flavors. There was like a, like they just talked about like the orange sickle Coke. Yes. The orange, cream, orange and cream Coke. You guys mm-hmm. had that when I was doing the terrain race years, months ago. And now they're like, oh, check it out. It's brand new all across the country. I'm like, hey, Canada had this like six months ago, man. That's right. Like, we need to go up to Canada. They have the good stuff. And well, I got, and you said you want to do Tough Mudder. So do Tough Mudder Whistler. That's the most gorgeous location. That's, yes, yes. When is that? Uh, that is in June. So it's Father's Day weekend. I'll have to check to make sure if it's not the same weekend as the the weekend I'm doing the marathon. I might have to go do that. Yeah, so, and that would be fun. I'm an ambassador, so if you can do it, I can get you a discount. So, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Ambassador. <laughs> yes, Tough Mudder ambassador. Yeah, I know. Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Spartan Street team member. I don't oh. think that really means anything anymore, but. No, not anymore. <laughs> Not really. I didn't no. say that out loud. Stacey, if you're listening, I meant that. I mean, um, sorry. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I've had, uh, I'm going to get in trouble. I've already know I'm going to get myself kicked off the street team. I've yeah. been being that guy lately. So, but. They need to bring back the gladiators at the end, like for all the races. And then that heard, would be fun. I've yeah. actually, I've heard they're supposed to, but I think it's only at the stadium right and that's one thing that bugs me. I miss the gladiators. The very last year they had the gladiators was the year was 14, I think. And I didn't do my first race until Montana in 15. Oh, so I missed the gladiators completely. And I'm like, yeah, because I, you know, the race that I was at when I had the cut on my hand, I saw them because I was there, but I didn't race, but I thought about racing, but I was threatened by every single one of my friends that was there that if I win race with, I think it was 18 stitches in my hand that they were all going to kick my ass. So, oh. I think I probably shouldn't do that then. I thought about I, it. I really did. I, I got the Gladiators in 2013, and the one guy after the sprint, he tried to knock me over, so I knocked him on his ass. I'm like, you know what? No. We're done. <laughs> like, I want my medal. Yep. <laughs> Give me my medal. I'm done with this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. It's fun, though. I mean, I love stuff like that when they had that. You know, they, they still have that. But you get the problem with people. Somebody probably got hurt or somebody got a little too aggressive as the gladiator. And mm-hmm. someone, you know, got upset. So they get rid of it. And you're like, oh, you just ruined the fun for all of us. It's like when mm-hmm. they put the big sign now that say no diving. It's like, really? Like, just because someone was not bright enough and they dove, I mean, really? It's like I tell everyone, I do, I teach OSHA classes, which I don't think you guys have OSHA. You have something similar. I know you have uh, WorkSafe BC up there. But, yeah, uh, we do. Yep. I only know that because WorkSafe BC makes the best safety videos because I teach OSHA and all that stuff, and I use a lot of their videos. But, 
But the one thing I would tell everyone when I'm teaching these classes, I'm like, when they put those stupid little notes on things that they don't do this, mm-hmm. you'll laugh. But usually they put that because someone did it. Yep. You know, it's like my my daughter had a, a curling iron that said, do not use on eyelashes. I'm like, really? This is something you have to tell people? A curling iron? Like wow. I, yeah. I'm like, I've never used a curling iron, but I'm pretty sure I never put it on my eyelashes. So, wow, that's that's fail. Yeah, it is. And there's so many other ones that I've seen, and you just look at it and you're like, who, who did this? Like, I really want to know. I want to meet the person who did this, and then I want to make sure that they never breed and have children. I know, right? It's like, like when they tell you not to eat certain stuff. It's like, okay, I'm not going to eat the silica packs in my wallet or whatever, but no. Oh, there's all those, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't do this or you see the things. I don't know if you have the, the the pharmaceutical commercials up in Canada like we do here where they sit there and say, don't take if you're allergic to it. It's like, no, really? Yeah, we have like, those Don't take if you're allergic to it or any, yeah. If you're allergic to it or allergic to any of its contents, really? I mean, you have to say that? Yeah, well, it's even worse is that um, there are water obstacles at Tough Mudder, and the MC has to say constantly, if you cannot swim, don't go in the water. And he says it like four or five times. He's like, if you cannot swim, do not go in the water, because I'm sure people have gone in almost drowned. It's unbelievable. They're like, I suddenly thought that, you know, because I was in a Tough Mudder, I suddenly learned how to swim when I jumped in the water. Ugh. Well, it's the same thing with OCR. A lot of people are like, the obstacles are dangerous. I'm like, but you know what? If you don't feel safe, you can walk around them. You don't have to do them all. Yeah. And people don't get that. They're like, well, you do this, this, and this. It's like, well, no, if you're not safe or you feel like you're going to get hurt, don't do them. Yeah. It's not- well, that's just it. I mean, everyone, they act like, and that's one of the big problems that I have, is I'm, I'm an open racer. And I'm an open racer for a reason. Because I'm not an elite racer. Mm-hmm. And I know that. So if, you know, and you see all these people, like, I saw someone, like, walk by the obstacle and didn't even do their burpees. What should I do? I don't know. Shut up and race? Exactly. Shut up and run your race? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a competitive, you know, like, there's the big thing right now, I... I can't remember what race it was, but it was recently that there was someone disqualified because they put their hand on the the center, like, support beam of the A-frame. Ryan Woods. Ryan Woodsy. Ryan he Woods. He did that. Yes. And everyone's, everyone's freaking out. I'm like, you know, it, it, it may sound like it's dumb, but if it's a rule and you're elite and you broke it, you know, he even said it in a statement. He's like, I screwed up. I'm sorry. But he broke the rule. It happens. I don't understand why people are freaking out. He's an elite. He's, you know, signed on saying these are the rules I'm going to follow. He didn't follow them. And then other people are, you know, then you get the opposite side where you get people like in the open that is doing, saying the same thing. Oh, they did this. They should be disqualified. I'm like, disqualified from what? We're open racers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be honest. I have, have I skipped obstacles before? Yes, because at the time I didn't think they were safe. Seattle last year in the complete downpour, I walked right past Bender. No way in hell. I'm like, it's a full downpour. My kid's afraid of heights, and there's no way he's gripping that thing. No way. 
I'm not going back and telling his mom he broke his neck because I made him do an obstacle in Apple. Well, and the same thing is, is like it's at Sun Peaks a couple of years ago when we did our sprint, there was the rope climb just before the fire jump. And I've Mm -hmm. never been able to do a rope climb yet, but I saw this, I'm going to say, I don't want to say young kid because I'm not that old, but I'm going to say early 20s. And he got up the top of the rope, but then he slipped and he hit his back on the ground coming down. And that memory lives through me because, like, I heard him hit the ground with his back. And his girlfriend uh, ran up to him and she's like, are you okay? He's like, no. So if there's any, like like you, if there's an obstacle that's not safe, I don't feel it's safe. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I have no shame. I'm an open race here. I'm not here for money. But at the end of the day, I'm like a mother. I'm a wife. I have to work. Same as you. Like, you have responsibilities. So if I do not feel safe, I'm not doing it. No. Oh, I, I completely agree. It's like the what was it, last year or the year before in Seattle when they tried the new obstacle, the what was it? The camera was it called the Jacob's Ladder. Oh, yep. <laughs> and there was, I mean, we came up to it and one side was closed because they were taking a guy out on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. And another guy I pretty much watched fall from like 15 feet up and smack down on the ground. And then everyone's like, are you ready to do this? And I'm like, no, I, I'm going right to the yeah, no. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, uh-uh. And literally, like, right as we walked past it, they pretty much just shut it down. They're like, nope, we're done. This is, this obstacle's a fail. But it was just like, there's so many people like, why aren't you doing it? I'm like, I don't feel safe doing that. I don't like ladders. I mean, that's honestly how I shattered my foot was a ladder. Mm-hmm. I have an issue with ladders. And then watching you know, one person being taken out in the stretcher, and they, they they were nice, though, because we were so close to the finish line. They walked them across the finish line on the stretcher so they could give them this medal. But yeah. it's like, I, I don't want to be that guy. I mean, do I want my medal? Yes. But do I want to get it while I'm on a stretcher? No, not really. And no. You know, like you said, you know, I'm a father. I'm, you know, a husband. I'm, I have a job. And it's hard to do that with a broken back. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I mean, I, like you said, I don't do this for money. I'm not racing for money. I'm racing for my, to beat myself and my own pride. So, and if my pride's okay with me saying, you know, that's not safe and that's not worth me breaking myself, I'm going to walk by and do a couple burpees, you know, 30, but I'm going to go do my burpees, then I'm okay with that. So. But if you do a tough mutter, there's no burpees. If you walk around, there's no penalty. So just think about that. I've thought about that, and see, here's the problem, though, and I've said this before, is, like I said, I don't, I literally was talking to someone about this yesterday, and we brought up the Tough Mudder and decided to watch the fun video of all the people getting shocked and the the funny video, which just scares me even more after watching it, but I don't like electrical shock, but I'm the type of thought that if I come up to something, if it's completely unsafe and I think I'm going to hurt myself, I'm fine with saying no. But if it's just that it scares me and I don't want to do it, now I have an issue with saying no. Because I'm saying no because of my own issues, not because it's actually unsafe. And that's when I have to do it. So if I was to come up to that obstacle, I would hate myself if I didn't do it. Because, like I said, it's not because it's not safe. I just don't want to do it because I don't like it. So I would have to do it. 
So, I mean, like I said, I really want to do one, and I need to do one because I need to face that fear, which I don't understand why I have such a fear of that because when I was a kid, I used to literally grab the electric fence so I could shock my brother. But electric shock, though, isn't so bad. Not all the wires are electrified. And to me, honestly, it feels like just like hard bug bites. It's not bad. It's yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. But you watched the, have you ever watched the videos? Yes, we did. Go to my YouTube husband and look made up us. The no, my husband made us watch the Tough Mudder fail videos before we did our first. So I've seen them. <laughs> and I still think, though, my favorite is the guy that like tries to crawl underneath. And it, like, hits him in the shoulder, and it, like, he goes face first into the mud. And then suddenly, decide, you know, because now he's face first in the mud, he pushes himself back, and he gets shocked again, and then goes face back in the mud. And he does that for, like, 45 seconds before someone drags him out. That's probably my favorite. I, I couldn't stop laughing at that, but I'm like, that would be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my husband used to have a nipple ring. So we did our first Tough Mudder. He actually got caught in the wires. And it kept zapping his nipple ring. But he's fine, so you're good. I mean, that's like a whole new level of kink there. I mean, mm-hmm. I like the way you're just like, mm-hmm. But, okay, it's a whole new level of kink, and you're all for it. All right, then. He survived. Yeah. He's, I don't want to say, like, it. it's interesting. But, again, it's just like hard bug bites on your arms and legs. It's, it's not bad. You, you'll be fine. All right, I'm definitely going to have to do one, so. Yes. I'll have to do one just because you say I'll be fine, but I'm not going to do it with a nipple ring, so. No, don't, but, you know. I mean, I, I've, I have nothing against piercings, but for whatever reason, I have none. Tattoos, that's another story. I've got those all over the place, but. No, I've got six. My husband has one, so, me. Eh. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we've, we're have we a little over an hour into this, so we should probably wrap it up. I mean, this, is, this has actually been a blast. I think we really, I need to meet you in person, and we need to, like, go off the coffee. I feel like we could sit there and talk for hours and keep going. I think I might have met you in Seattle, though. I'm pretty sure I met you on the course in Seattle. Like, I feel like we've met before. I think so, but I know because there's two... I'm trying to think because I keep thinking I met you, but I know I met a couple people from Canada, and I'm trying to think of the other one that I met. I remember one time her butt was hanging out, but I don't think you that was the me. butt hanging no. out. That was the other no. one. <laughs> that was the other one who she had a she had a blowout in her pants. I think Not her name me. starts with an S. I don't remember. Yeah, but no. <laughs> I think I have met you. But I've also because normally the problem I have is I do the races, and then normally because I was street team. I'll, I volunteer at the exit tent. Oh, so okay. I spend all my time. I meet. I spend all my time at the exit tent when I'm not racing. This is actually the first year where I pretty much decided I'm not volunteering at races at all. So I'm doing street team like the local events, but I'm not doing the actual like race events because for the last two years I missed everything because I spend. I'm usually the lead, so I when I'm not racing, I'm at the exit tent the whole time. So oh, this year I'm like, nope, yikes. not happening. So this year I'm actually going to talk to people. Technically, I'm the the Washington, what is my title now? I don't remember. I'm the podcast manager and the Washington director of Beat Those the Arts. 
So, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm like, whatever that all means. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm supposed to be like interacting with people or something, which amazingly people don't understand. I have huge anxiety about that, but I hide it by talking a lot. I do too. I have massive social anxiety, but the OCR community yep. has enabled me to be like, you know what? We're covered in mud. We're having fun. You know, so. And that, that's one thing I've noticed. It seems like once you're covered in mud, you don't like all anxiety goes out the window because it's like, it's almost like the mud washed away any like social stigma that anyone has. It's like mm-hmm. you could be the governor of Washington, but once you're out on that course and you have mud on you, you're just another one. You're just one of us. And that's what I love about OCR. It doesn't matter who you are. Once you get on that course and you're covered in mud, you're just another, you're just one of us. And the hugs come so often. Like I, and actually yes. doing this sprint last year in Seattle, I met Kim Collings because I saw oh, her I running. Kim. I'm like, you're Kim. And she's like, Oh my God. I'm like, yes. So. And that's what's always fun too, is when you get people that, you know, all of a sudden they recognize you. I had a guy at Seattle last year, I was talking to someone and all of a sudden from behind me and he's like, that's the voice of BeastNet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I turn around, he's like, that's the voice of BeastNet. I recognize that voice. And I'm like, you're my one listener. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was so amazing to be like, wow, this guy actually recognized my voice. So, yeah. Well, what was nice too, is that um, Adam said, you know, your beast OCR, you come be in our tent. And so we we're putting yeah. our stuff in the tent last year at the sprint. And I have so many people saying, hi, I'm like, I have no idea who you are, but hi. Like, mm-hmm. It is. And that's where you get in the tent. Everyone knows who you are. And partly for me is because I'm so active on Facebook with beast OCR and everything else, people recognize me. And so I run into a problem with people all the time. They're like, hey, Mike, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on? And I'm like, who are you? Exactly, right? It's like, you do know. I know you? Like, are you a friend? <laughs> Where did you come from? No, I yeah. get it. I had I had one guy out there while she was last year. I'm stopped at a rest area, and I'm walking out of the bathroom, and the guy's like, you're pretty much. And I'm like, that's really weird to say inside of a men's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's awkward. Oh. <laughs> like, we're in a men's bathroom in the middle of nowhere, and you're calling me pretty much. I mean, I know that's what I call myself on the podcast and all the time, but I have no idea who you are, and I'm not sure what's going on. So, <laughs> Well, that's the problem. Like, once you're known, people know who you are. The same thing with me, because I write for Mud Run Guide. People are like, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who are you? I don't know who you are, but hi. Like, Yeah. But and it's one of those things, I think it's kind of like, for me, because everyone hears me talk, like, because I put on an episode every Monday morning, you know, and sometimes a few in between, you know, Beast Report and other weird episodes in between that. But at least every Monday morning, it's like I think people get, feel like they get to know me because they hear me every week. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same with you because all of a sudden, you know, they're reading your articles. Yeah. You know, and they're like, they feel like they know you. And I mean, like I said, you're an amazing writer. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> just, you <laughs> it's very know. humbling. Yeah. Very humbling. Yeah, you're an amazing writer. I, lo- I love reading your stuff. So, 
But I think we probably should wrap this up. Like I said, I feel like we could keep doing this for hours. And, oh, um, yes, no. We but, need to meet one day and have a chat for a couple hours. But, yeah, no, I think we should wrap yes. it up. It's been almost an hour 20, actually. Yeah, we're, we're getting up there. So so is there anything you want to say to my to the listeners in closing? Okay. So, okay, I'm just trying to think. The OCR community is nothing like you've ever met. Like, you feel at home when you race in mm-hmm. mud. Um, to be honest, don't be afraid to try something new. Even if it's like a 5k inflatable run, go out, do it with friends. You'll be changed. And, uh, I just yeah. want to thank you for the opportunity to, to talk to people and be so CR wherever they go. They're amazing. They'll, op- they'll open their arms to you. And they're like, like one of the best welcoming teams ever. That's well, that's what we strive for. So we want to be all inclusive. So, all right. Well, it's been a blast, blast talking to you. And for those listeners listening, check out Mud Run Guide and look for, you know, Charity's article. Like I said, she's an amazing writer. You'll love every single one of them, especially the, what, is, what do you always call the badass women? Badass badass. women of OCR, and I'm actually going to be spinning off from that. There's a new series that's going to be coming out called The Badass Kids of OCR. Nice. Yeah. Right on. So, I mean, you know, I I can't afford to be on there because I'm not a badass woman. I have the hair, but not the other equipment. So, but, but yeah, so, but I love reading your articles. They're amazing. So, so yeah, definitely check out Mud Run Guy. Check out Charity's articles. Um, The one on Kim is amazing. Um, That's the one that I've read the most recently. So, yeah. Perfect. It's been great talking to you. And like I said, hopefully I will see you soon in a race. I'll make sure if I see you, I'll come find you. So you need to do Whistler. And if anyone, uh, regardless of where you're coming from, has a story to tell, please reach out to me. I'm happy to tell it. Right on. I will let people know. And the same goes for, for me. If you run anyone that has a story to tell, let me know and I'll, I'll get them on the, the podcast. I love stories i love to hear people the struggles that people have gone through to get to where they're at so and one of these days the one thing is is really we talked for like an hour but we really didn't talk about you much we talked about your your writing and who you wrote about but not about you that was good that was well played so wasn't my intention but you know what back off Okay. Well, wasn't my intention, but you know what, though? We all have stories to tell, and don't be afraid to try an obstacle course race. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it is. They're amazing, and they're, they're so addicting. All right. Well, thank you, Charity, and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you again. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you. Because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at BeastOCR.com.